and welcome to the Hoosie podcast. On this episode, we are very pleased to bring you an interview with Peter Davison, the Fifth Doctor himself, which was recorded at the Science of the Timeless Convention held at the National Space Centre in Leicester back in 2016. The interview was conducted by one of our listeners, John Michael Lindsay, who has very kindly dug out this archive interview recording and sent it to us to release to you. Now, as far as I know, this has never been heard before, so thanks to John Michael and the organisers of the Science of the Time Rules Convention for this exclusive. So, without further ado, let's hand over to John Michael introducing Peter Davison. It's a pleasure to introduce not only the Doctor, but one of my favourite monarchs. He played King Arthur in Spamalot in the West End, and he's done many, many other roles over the years. So it's my very great pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Peter Davison. Good morning. Hi. Right. Peter, first of all, thank you very much for joining us here at the Science of the Time Lords event. It's a great pleasure. So if we start with your humble beginnings, as it were, right, yes. born in London yeah. and moved to Nap Hill in Surrey, and you started to learn your craft with the Byfleet players, would that be right? That's right. Well, I, I got involved at school. Uh, I, I was really working backstage. I used to do all, all the lights, you know, so I, I, and I fancied that because I, I was sort of, my father was an electrical engineer, so I was kind of, I had a kind of technical uh, sort of slim technical uh, uh, um, layer of knowledge in my brain. Um, so I, I dealt with the sound and with the lights, and then one day the, one of the teachers started a drama club, uh, after school drama club, and I, I started that. And then she said, I, you know, I do parts in the Byfleet players. Would you like to come along? And um, the first play I ever did was Antigone. And what a, <laughs> my love interest was another teacher. It was very <laughs> bizarre. Because I was, I suppose, about 16, 15, 16. And of course, she was probably only about 23, but she seemed incredibly old. Poor <laughs> girl. Um, uh, yeah, and that's how I started, really. Fantastic. So then you moved on after school, and you had quite a wide range of jobs, including a mortuary assistant. Is that right? Uh, did you find that? Yes. <laughs> the power of the internet. I, I had no idea. I applied to. Uh, I started out doing my sixth year. I, I planned to take A levels, which was an extraordinary decision, as I failed most of my O levels. But I, I decided nevertheless to try for A levels, and then I gave up after about three months, and went out and got a job while I planned to apply to drama school. And one of the jobs was a porter in the local hospital. And I didn't know until uh, I arrived uh, uh, for the first day that I was actually attached to the mortuary. Uh, so my job was to go and collect the bodies from the, from the ward and take them down to the, uh, uh, the mortuary. It was great fun. <laughs> uh, but it did, weirdly, it, it did help me get into drama school, I'm convinced, because I, 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 when I went to, I did my audition, and you know, you do your, your, your speeches on stage, and they, they then invite you down if, you're, if you pass that bit, and they, to ask questions, and uh, they said, you know, what have you been doing? I said, well, I left school, <clears throat> and I've been working, because I wanted to experience life. Uh, and they said, well, what did you do? 
And I said, I worked in a mortuary. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they laughed at an awful lot of that. I'm not thought, surprised. Yeah, why not get him, let him in. <laughs> <laughs> so you then trained at the Central School of Speech and Drama. That's right. And you went on to become an actor and assistant stage manager at the Nottingham Playhouse. Yeah, I mean, in those days, it was really an actor, but they called it acting ASM because you might be called upon to move bits of scenery and things like that. So you were right at the bottom of the heap, but really you were an actor. But they like to just make you feel bad by acting, <laughs> by adding the ASM, thing, an assistant stage manager, but at the end. Uh, but I, I never really had to do that any more than anyone else did. So I was, I was very lucky. I just played a fairly small part, but it was a good experience. Fantastic. So then TV beckoned. Mm -hmm. um, I believe your, one of your first roles was a cameo in Warship, BBC drama? No, that's actually entirely wrong. Ah. I tell you the problem here. Uh, <clears throat> there was another actor. So I, my, I, my name wasn't Peter Davison. Uh, my real name was, is, was Peter Moffat. M-O-F-F-E-T, in case you're writing this down. And I worked for that name, for that under that name, while I was at Nottingham Playhouse, my first uh, uh, theatre job. And then Equity very kindly informed me that I couldn't have that name because there uh, was an actor called Peter Moffat who actually was now a director, but he kept the name. He'd he'd held on to the name, so I had to change it. So I uh, I just changed it to Davison. I don't know why. We all sat round in the green room at Nottingham Playhouse and said, "What name should you have?" And we came up with his name, Davidson. <clears throat> but I didn't know that there was an actually, actually an actor called Peter Davidson at that time. I didn't know this until he knocked on my door one morning and, and complained that uh, uh, um, he'd been offered a job that was actually meant for me. <laughs> that was some years later. But anyway, uh, uh, it appears that he was the person in warship, Peter Davidson. Right. He later changed his name to Peter H. Davidson or Davidson or something like that. Um, but, um, and he was actually in an episode of All Creatures Great and Small. Good Lord. Yeah, much later. And, uh, and All Creatures Great and Small at that time was immensely popular. It was a huge series. And he came in to play a very small part. And um, we were all sitting around a table at lunchtime. And he suddenly said to me out of the blue, quite seriously, um, so don't you think it's time we changed your name then? Um, because he was still working under Peter Davidson at that time. Um, and there was this, I didn't know what to say to him because I, although he had been in the business before me, I was actually much better known than he was. <laughs> so there was this pause. And then um, Robert Hardy, uh, who was a very loyal kind of um, pretend older brother, just said, there was some bloody stupid. <laughs> and that really was the end of the conversation. He never mentioned it again. <laughs> Excellent. So you then went on to the Tomorrow People, is that right? My very first television part was the Tomorrow People. Excellent. Yeah. And you were playing an alien, who knew? I played a space cowboy called Elmer. Please don't ever watch this. <laughs> it's really embarrassing. Uh, I thought it had disappeared forever. You know, I did this uh, um, story and we had great fun doing it. I had a blonde curly wig and um, had sort of strange latex swimming trunks, oh, no, not latex, but spandex swimming trunks, uh, and I looked ridiculous. I looked a bit like my sister, actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, and I, the, the idea was we were spawning around space, and we accidentally watched cowboy programs on the TV, and we decided to go back down to the earth, but we just dressed as cowboys, because we thought that's what they were. Of course, we landed in, uh, in Teddington in London, uh, um, and it, we got it quite wrong. It was uh, quite a light-hearted episode of The Tomorrow People. 
Um, but uh, uh, hang on, I've got that. Don't interrupt. It's a good story. Uh, um, but uh, it was the first television I ever did, and they—they, they, I really thought it would just disappear forever, uh, and I was happy about that. And then someone invented DVD, and then it was suddenly all over the place. Really. I even did a, one of those audio commentaries for the story. Right. Don't ever listen to that either. <laughs> so then you went on to London Weekend Television, so that adaptation of Love for Lydia. Yeah, I did Love for Lydia. Working alongside Jeremy Irons, I believe. Uh, Jeremy Irons was in it. Yes, we had a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of sort of young people, all of who were in love with Lydia, uh, and Jeremy Irons was was one of them. Yeah, it's before he did uh, um, before he shot the stardom. And then, of course, we have your next role that put you into the household, which yeah. was Tristan Farnan in All Creatures Great and Small. <clears throat> That's right, yes, yes. I always thought that Love for Lydia would be my big break, but it turned out that All Creatures was, so that was it was a fantastic series to do. What was your experiences on that? Because, I mean, it's, it's completely different to what you've done. You're playing a vet. I'm, I'm playing a very bad vet <laughs> who, who smokes and drinks quite a lot. And the rest of the time has his arm up a cow. Uh, <laughs> it was an enchanting series to do. Um, no, it was great. Uh, uh, and we had an excellent time. And we did it for three years. And then we stopped. And we thought that would be it forever, really, because we'd, we'd taken the books up until the war. Um, and we, we, we resigned ourselves to it being the end of the series. And then, of course, I went off and. Um, you know, you know what came next. That's right. Doctor Who. Um, and that was almost out. The production unit manager on All Creatures Great and Small was, Doc, was John Nathan Turner. And he left after the first series of, Doc, uh, of All Creatures and went to produce Doctor Who. And he, but he remembered me from that, thankfully, <laughs> and just <laughs> rang me up one night and said, you know, how, how do you feel about um, being the next Doctor? Wow. There was a big long silence on the end of the phone <laughs> because I just didn't know what to say. It seemed such a, a, a ridiculous idea at the time. Um, and eventually he took me to lunch, um, so I knew he was serious. Uh, BBC <laughs> producers very rarely take you to lunch. Um, and uh, eventually I said yes. It was, a, it was really an offer you couldn't refuse. Absolutely. You, you were 26 when you took the role. No, I was 29. I was 29 when I took the role. And in fact, uh, um, I, but I did the regeneration from Tom into me, I was 29, but the very first day of my season in the studio, I was 30. Wow. My birthday. What a birthday, brother. Yeah. So you were the youngest actor, and, oh, that's right, yes, because Matt Smith was 26 when he took That's over. right, yes. <laughs> but you were the first and youngest. Little bugger. I didn't mind about this at all. I, in fact, I like it. You see, I mean, I, I felt... Uh, in my insecurity, because I had grown up with, with William Hartnell and Patrick Trout, and that I was a bit young at the part. But thanks to, uh, um, first of all, you know, David and then Matt, um, especially Matt, I, I then actually seemed far more a, a part of the whole thing than I had done when I'd actually made it. You know, I'm, I, I think I started a trend of younger, younger doctors. So I, I, loved, I loved the fact that Matt was younger than me. Fantastic. So you, you also did quite a number of other TV roles around about that time. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you composed <laughs> and performed yeah. the theme to Button Moon. I did. 
Yes, the theme tune to Button Moon, which is a very popular children's series. How, how did that come about? <clears throat> well, oddly, it came about kind of out of The Tomorrow People, because The Tomorrow People had been directed by um, a man called Stan Woodward. Uh, and uh, he, had, he had caught me playing my guitar and singing songs. And he said, what's that song? And I said, oh, yeah, it's just one I've made up. It was weird. I learned to play the guitar, but I never bothered to learn other people's songs. I don't know why. You know, if you ask me, give me the guitar now. I can only sing my songs. I never learned to, I never learned, you know, like most people who play guitar are very sensible and they learn like a few Beatles songs or modern day songs they play. Can't do any of that. I mean, I could if you gave me a couple of days. But I just used to make up my own songs. Anyway, so he knew I wrote. And so when he then became the producer of uh, Button Moon, he rang me up and said, how would you like to do the theme tune? Um, so I said, yeah, great. So I, I just knocked this Button Moon tune up, and it, it, was, it worked really well, I think. Very much yeah. so. And another role that I was intrigued to find out about was you were in an episode of Magnum P.I. Yes, I was. It was one of the very few episodes of Magnum P.I. that was not shot in Hawaii. <laughs> it was actually shot in Kent, which was a huge disappointment. I kept trying to sort of see if I could inveigle my way into a return appearance, because I was playing a kind of, I was playing the man who worked in, uh, um, you know, I, do you know Magnum P.I., anyone? You know, the setup is that it, they work for this very, very rich guy who you never see, who owns this property in Hawaii. He also owned a property in London, it turns out. Right. And I was helping to run that. So I didn't see why I couldn't take a trip out to Hawaii. I kept trying to drop hints, but it never worked. <laughs> um, yeah, so we filmed it in London, but it was great. You know, it was my first taste of uh, uh, American television done in the way that it's done, which is, was tremendously efficient. It wasn't that imaginative, but it was tremendously efficient. You know, they just knocked the shots up one after the other. Um, but that was, it was great, and Tom Selleck and, and, and John Hillerman were very nice. Um, yeah, but sadly, as I say, it didn't lead to a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you can never tell with these sorts of roles. So just skipping back a little bit to Doctor Who, obviously you were there to take over from Tom Baker uh, in 1981 mm -hmm. and staying into the role until 1984. Yeah, I did three seasons, so I suppose we finished in 83, I think. But yeah, it went out in 84, I think. Is it true that Pat Troughton advised you to have that sort of time period with the show? Yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, it was the way I was thinking anyway, because I'd done All Creatures for three seasons. I'd done another comedy series, two other comedy series, Holding the Fort and Single Swim for three seasons. Um, and I, I, three seemed about right, but I, but I was I driving to the BBC one day, and the great thing about playing Doctor Who is they would let you into the BBC car park without any fuss at all. They just see you and they go, oh, in you go, Mr. Davison. Um, uh, and that lasts for a lot, as long as you're Doctor Who. The moment you're stopped do being Doctor Who, they won't let you in the car. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, so I drove in, and as I walked out from my car, Patrick Troughton had just been turned away from the BBC car park. Um, <laughs> so I said, well, uh, uh, but he said to me, oh, I said, are you doing Doctor Who? I said, yes. He said, three years and then move on. So I thought that was, if he says it, it must be right. So that's what I did. But you returned to the console in 1993 for Dimensions in Time. Yes. What was that about? <laughs> I have no idea. I said to John Nathan Turner, What's it about? He went, I've got no idea. <laughs> no one had any idea what that was about. It was about moving the camera so it looked a bit like it was in 3D, as far as I could tell. And they had all people back, which was very nice, and we had a bit of fun. 
but I've still no idea what the heck was going on. And then you returned once again in 2007. Yes. Time crash with yes. uh, a future son-in-law. Yes, little did I know. Yes. Um, I, uh, Stephen Moffat, I got to know Stephen Moffat, um, who of course then went on to be the producer of Doctor Who, uh, because uh, we had virtually the same name. And we had a mutual friend who kept getting confused because uh, we both have a son called Louis Moffat. And then, then another son called Josh, and mine is called Joel. So it was very, there were sort of great similarities, and they're about the same age. Uh, so we, we, we sort of met up with them, and I worked with his wife on a comedy series too, The Super Virtue. Uh, and they, he was around my house one lunchtime, one Sunday lunchtime, and he said, um, you know, would you be interested in doing a, a, a little piece for Children in Need? I've written, and I went, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah, let me have a look at it. And it was just brilliant. I just thought it was so clever because it was about everything. You know, it was about the 10th Doctor remembering being the 5th Doctor and about David Tennant remembering watching me on television. And it was just very, very, very good and very clever. So I agreed to do it, and um, I was actually in a play, play in London, Spamalot, at the time, and they had to whisk me down after the show on Saturday night, and I had a beard in Spamalot, I was playing King Arthur, and they had to shave it off and um, make me up, and try and make me look as much as possible like I did. <laughs> uh, or as David pointed out, I couldn't quite close the coat. <laughs> uh, um, I thanked him a lot for pointing that out. Um, uh, um, but it, I, I thought it worked, but it was fun to do. Uh, we, we both realized as we went through the day and we got to sort of knowing the way we were working that we were, we were both very quick we spoke very quickly because the script, I think, was meant to be something like they timed it as uh, 13 minutes and it turned out to be about nine or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think Stephen Moffat wished he could have written a bit more. And then you returned to a different kind of console in the audio adventures with Big Finish. Yes, um, we started the first one uh, um, a few years before that, I think when the series was off the air, sorry. Um, and I can't remember what that was. Who remembers what the first big finish one was called? Science. Science of Doctor Yeah, what the heck was that about? I don't know what that one was about either. Um, uh, normally I'm very good with Doctor Who stories. You know, when I was making Doctor Who, I would quite often have to, have to explain to the director what the story was about, because they rarely knew. Um, maybe it's just getting older. But anyway, I didn't really understand Science Science, but it was fun working with Sylvester and, and Colin. Uh, and since then, we've all gone, you know, off to do our own Doctor stories, and uh, and they did keep the show going when it was off the air. So they 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 did do a remarkable job. Big finish. Now you're one of the few people to be a Doctor for two 50th anniversary appearances, because you wrote, directed, and performed in the Five Ish Doctors reboot. Yes. And you also performed in Big Finish's 50th anniversary, yes. Light at the End. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did do that. Yes. That was, that was good, I think, Lies at the End, wasn't it? It was marvellous. But I enjoyed doing the Five-ish Doctors reboot because it came out of, it came out of um, virtually nothing, just, a, just an idea uh, that I'd had. I'd done, I'd done a couple of videos, short comedy videos, for um, a convention in America called Gallifrey One that I hadn't been able to get to. And the first year I, I sent one apologising for not being there. And I turned it into a little skid. And then the following year when I actually did go there, I, I did another one to take with me to show uh, to the, the fans out there. And when the 50th anniversary came up, 
Yes, I know. It was obvious to me from quite early on that we weren't going to be in it. Um, uh, because as I, as I say, he, he, I, I know Stephen Moffat quite well and he never mentioned this. <laughs> so I thought, this is not looking good. So I thought, well, why not, um, why not actually come up with a little, again, it was meant to be something that was five minutes long, a little skit about not being in the, the 50th anniversary special. So I said to Stephen Moffat, I thought I'd make this, um, this little skit. You know, this was about a year and a half before the 50th anniversary. Uh, I, I, I'll make this little film. Would you be in it if I did it? He went, yes, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think he thought I was ever going to do it. Uh, so he agreed. Um, and then as the time came nearer, I, I mentioned it, I think, at a convention. Uh, and of course, that's fatal because there are people, conventions <laughs> with these things. Uh, and uh, the very next convention I went to, I, a question from the, from the audience said, oh, apparently you're making your own 50th anniversary special. Uh, so I thought, oh, gosh, I better do it then. Uh, and it just gradually got bigger and bigger. Um, as, uh, you know, I, I asked Colin, Sylvester, and Paul if they'd be in it, and they said yes. And uh, then obviously, well, I lent on David a bit. He, he couldn't get out of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, so then just everybody was in it. And then Sylvester, uh, uh, um, which I thought was probably the coup de grace, was that Sylvester said to me, um, you know, I, 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 I want to be in it, but I do have to keep uh, going off to New Zealand because I'm filming The Hobbit. Um, and uh, uh, so I said, well, why don't I write a scene about you in New Zealand and, and leaving the set of The Hobbit and coming over here? He said, yeah, I'll be all right. So uh, I said, well, maybe we can, you know, <laughs> get the, uh, uh, the director in it as well. So. Uh, so that's the way it, 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 it worked. I just I wrote to uh, Peter Jackson and said, you know, I'm doing this thing. Would you mind filming a little bit? And he went, yeah. And then he said, I'll get Ian McKellen. Here too. <laughs> I thought, wow. <laughs> now we've hit the big time. Um, so we, and we assembled it, and it was a mad rush. I didn't. There were moments where I didn't think we were going to finish it, uh, but we finished it about a week before it, it was due to go go out, and it went down remarkably well. It was good. Very much so. So apart from Doctor Who, you also had a very peculiar practice. A series that I remember really well distinctly with you in, uh, with Brian Glover, was um, Campion. Yes. I love Campion, yes, it was good. It was great. We only did only two seasons of it, sadly, because I think it was a bit pricey. Everyone was going a bit cheap in those days. Um, so, but yeah, I love doing that. Uh, um, I've done quite a lot of things. Really. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> I would love to have done more of, of Campion. Because I always saw him as a slightly Doctor Who like figure. He was mysterious. Mm. He might even have been another Time Lord. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I loved him that. You also had Ain't Misbehaving, uh, yes. appearances in Jonathan Creek, and then At Home with the Braithwaite. Yes, At Home with the Braithwaite, I thought, was, was great to do. It was very different. Because uh, I was playing a slightly unpleasant father. It was a comedy, but I was playing the role of a pleasant father. Uh, so it was great to get that opportunity. Then uh, Mrs. Bradley's Mysteries. Yeah, with David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Last Detective. Yeah. Appearances in Midsummer Murders. Uh, more recently, Lewis. And now Law and Order with another of the Doctor Who alumni. Yeah, Prima was in that, yes, for a while. And she left and went off and... Uh, did the Sex in the City prequel, I think. I think it's finished now. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, I've, 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 I've been around quite a lot, I suppose. 
Um, so I'm just thankful I'm still going. <laughs> And then, of course, your theatre work includes Arsenic and Old Lace at the Ch uh, Chichester Festival Theatre. That's a yeah. bit of a mouthful. Um, yeah. The Last Yankee by Arthur Miller at yep. the Young Vic, and then you transfer to the Duke of York's Theatre. Yep. Uh, Dial M for Murder, Chicago, and then Legally Blonde. <coughs> Legally now, that's Blonde. quite a departure, isn't it? Uh, yes, again, I was playing the rather unpleasant uh, uh, um, law professor who tries to snog um, L. Woods. Uh, and gets his face slapped. Every night I got smacked <laughs> around the head. Uh, and then of course great. one of my favourites, Spamalot. Yeah, Spamalot was excellent. Yeah, I loved that. How did that come about? Well, I just, well funnily enough, they fl um, my agent rang up one day and said they want you to audition for um, Spamalot. And you know, it's a difficult one this, because sometimes you don't want to audition for things, you just want them to offer you the job, because auditions are a pain in the ass. Sorry, Beth. Pain of the neck, <laughs> pain of the neck auditions because you know they want you to learn a song, and so I said, "Is it worth auditioning for?" I, I wanted to do it, but it, you know I, I would have to have gone out to learn this song. And they said, "Well, the only trouble with the audition is that um, the director uh, uh, won't come over here. Mike Nichols won't come over to Britain, so they have to fly you to New York, <laughs> first class." So I said, oh, well, maybe that's fine then. Um, so, yeah, they, they flew me to New York to audition on the stage of the Broadway production of Spamalot. And uh, um, fortunately, I got the part. Would have been a bit embarrassing if I hadn't. Um, but it was great. So out of the body of work that you have so far, what would you say would be your favourite? Is it just instantly Doctor Who, or is there something else that you're more proud no, of? No, I have several favourites. It's a difficult one. I mean, I spent the last year doing Gypsy mm. in, the, in, the, in the West End of London, which stay, will, uh, may still be available on the BBC iPlayer. And you have until this evening to vote for me as Best Supporting Actor in a musical <laughs> at the What's On Stage Awards. So please go out there now and do that. Thank you very much. End of plug. Um, so I, I enjoyed doing that. Imelda Staunton was gy gypsy and she was amazing. Um, but everything you work on is your favourite, you see. That's the thing. There, there, there are a couple of things that you mentioned that I didn't enjoy so much when I was making it. But for the most part, to do something, I think, well, you have to throw yourself into it. So when you're doing it, you love it. I enjoyed All Creatures. I suppose if I'm honest, probably my favorite series to do, and it was not Doctor Who necessarily, it was uh, Home with the Braithwaite's because I just loved that. The scripts were just so brilliant. Um, but I obviously getting offered Doctor Who was extraordinary and to play it was extraordinary. So but there are so many, I think, that are your favorites. All Creatures Great and Small again. It's just, yeah. Excellent. Peter, thank you very much indeed for your time with us okay. this morning. You're, we're lucky enough to have you back later on this okay. afternoon. Have we, have we got any questions? Or have we got to, have we well, what time? we were going to do, we were going to do a Q&A with you a little uh, bit later on this afternoon. Uh, if you prefer. Okay. Have we run out of time? Is that it? Just about, unfortunately. Um, well, I tell you what, let's, let's just open it up for a few minutes. Because Peter's... <laughs> yeah, come on. I got, yeah. So yeah. who's got a question for Peter? Right, right down the back. Sorry, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm making you take some exercise now, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Okay. What's your name? April. April, what's your question for Peter? Uh, about, uh, filming the Five Doctors, how was it um, filming with alongside John Pertwee, Patrick Pratt and all the... All the it was great, yes, it was, I loved it, I loved it, I, I wish that I'd done more with them. 
that was the only problem. John, John, the producer, Jonathan Turner, thought that there will be too many egos flying around the set, so they, that they ought to keep us all in that different strand for as long as possible. But uh, we all actually got on really well, and we would have had a great time if we'd all been together for more of it. We came together at the end, but I would have loved to have had them been around, you know, them for more of the time. Yes, that's right. Make him run about. <laughs> If you could be in any Doctor Who story, what would you be in? Um, oh, that's difficult. I need to know that. This is one I can never remember the name of it. It was a Chris Eccleston story, actually. It was Stephen Moffat who wrote it. It was about the Second World War. You know, the, the Empty Child. That's the Empty Child. Yeah, I thought that was a fantastic story. And almost, in fact, it came second when everyone voted for the best Doctor Who story ever. I think Empty Child came second. Did I, Kate, was it? Oh, was it Blink? Well, was it Empty Child was up there? I know what came first. I, I want to get to what came first. Hang on a minute. Oh, Kings of Andrew's Army. That's right. You didn't okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Okay, one more question at the back. Make him run down there. Okay, one second. What time did we start? When preparing for a part, does the costume you're given give you any kind of um, support and confidence in creating the character that you take on? It does. Absolutely it does, yeah. I mean, you don't usually get to the costume until actually when you're making the programme. So it would be nice to, to actually have walked around in it for three weeks before. So you kind of come up with as much as you possibly can. But the costume, especially in, say, a period piece, is very, very important. It just makes you move uh, and, and feel like it's like a slightly different person. So yeah, it's very very important. With Doctor Who, and it was I, I loved the costume because it was very comfortable. It wasn't particularly what I would have chosen to be honest, but I was very happy with it. Um, and I, I suppose in that case, it made me feel very much like my own man, or I was on my own Doctor. But generally, in anything, the costume is very very helpful. But as I say, it usually only turns up on the day you start. One more. One, one more. I'm happy for one more. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, you did an episode of Tales of the Unexpected. I did. Um, I just wondered if you enjoyed doing that. Or? I did. It wasn't one of the. It wasn't one of the really good episodes. I think the, the, it had been on for some time. Tales of the Unexpected. This is, and I, I did one with. Um, uh, oh gosh, what was the name of the actress? Lisa. Yeah, they, um, uh, sorry, Lisa. I'm very, I very apologise. Yeah, she was in Skippy, the Bush Kangaroo. Uh, <laughs> what? That's it, Lisa Goddard. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, um, yeah. She told me this great story about Skippy, the Bush Kangaroo, which I should tell you at some point. Anyway, yeah, I did enjoy it, but it wasn't one of the great ones. You know, it wasn't one that was really kind of mysterious. It was sort of, it was almost like a mini farce. It was fun. Yeah. I watched it recently. Yeah. We've just got one more from this distinguishing okay. looking gentleman here. Okay. Oh, I didn't think it was going to come to me actually. Oh. Um, I actually do charity events myself um, and with these guys and we all get to dress up as doctors and assistants and darlings. And yeah, stuff. I noticed. Yes. <laughs> New costume today. Um, how do you feel about all, all that when you go to shows and that? How do you actually feel about people? Well, people turning up? Yeah, dressed dressed up, yeah. yeah well, I think it's great. I mean, the, the first few uh, uh, conventions I did, especially in America, um, I would turn up in my costume and then I realized that there were about 30 or 40 other people dressed in my costume as well I mean, so I thought I better stop because they were usually better than mine um, but no I think it's great this cosplay thing is a, is a thing that's happened it's grown up but it was always there from the beginning 
But now I think it's a real sort of art form. Yeah, with all these public concerts, that's it. Like everybody's just dressing up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my my son, in fact, went as um, I think it was. Did he go as last last time he went? Um, gosh, I thought it was the Arrow. Was it Arrow? Was that one? Wasn't it? Yeah. I think he went dressed as Arrow. Then he went as Captain America. Um, so he he spends every single penny he earns on buying costumes. It's great. I've got a real sort of sci-fi fan in my family. <laughs> Apart from me and, 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 and David. And, Are you? Yeah. I mean, well, I am, but I'm, I'm not the kind of dedicated fan of, the, of David Tennant or Stephen Moffat. I mean, Stephen, Stephen Moffat, you know, if you show him a black and white photograph from the early series of Doctor Who, he can not only tell you what episode it was, um, he can also tell you how many minutes into the program that shot, shot that scene was. It's quite remarkable. He is a real geek. Yeah. You said it. I did not say that, Stephen. I did not say that. Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you to Peter. Yeah, see you later. Thanks again to John Michael for letting us bring the interview to you. And over the coming weeks, we will also be releasing interviews that he conducted at the same convention with Katie Manning, Sophie Aldred and Sylvester McCoy. So a lot to look forward to. So until next time, it's goodbye from me, Phil. Goodbye. listening. If you don't want to miss a show, please don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and if you get time, please also give us a review. You can also listen to our podcast via our website, which you can find at www.whos-he-podcast.co.uk, and you can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Player FM, and TuneIn. If you'd like to leave us some feedback about the show, please visit us on our Twitter account, which is who's underscore he underscore podcast and can also find us on Facebook just looking up the who's he podcast Facebook group.